until we begin week 14 and day 92 going again through the book of Judges. And today we start at Judges 9 verse 7. When they told Jotham, he climbed to the top of Mount Gerizim, raised his voice and called to them, Listen to me, lords of Shechem, and may God listen to you. The trees set out to anoint a king over themselves. They said to the olive tree, Reign over us. But the olive tree said to them, Should I stop giving my oil that honours both God and man and rule over the trees? Then the tree said to the fig tree, Come and reign over us. But the fig tree said to them, Should I stop giving my sweetness and my good fruit and rule over trees? Later the tree said to the grapevine, Come and rule over us. But the grapevine said to them, Should I stop giving my wine that cheers both God and man and rule over trees? Finally all the trees said to the bramble, Come and reign over us. The bramble said to the trees, If you really are anointing me as king over you, come and find refuge in my shade. But if not, may fire come out from the bramble and consume the cedars of Lebanon. Now if you have acted faithfully and honestly in making Abimelech king, if you have done well by Jeroboam and his family, and if you have rewarded him appropriately for what he did, for my father fought for you, risked his life and delivered you from the land of Midian, and now you have attacked my father's house today, killed his seventy sons on top of a large stone, and made Bimelech the son of a slave, king over the lords of Shechem, because he is your brother. If then you have acted faithfully and honestly with Jeroboam and his house this day, Rejoice in Abimelech, and may he also rejoice in you. But if not, may fire come from Abimelech, and consume the lords of Shechem and Beth Malo. And may fire come from the lords of Shechem and Beth Malo, and consume Abimelech. Then Jotham fled, escaping to Bear, and lived there because of his brother Abimelech. When Abimelech had ruled over Israel three years, God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the lords of Shechem. They treated Abimelech deceitfully so that the crime against the seventy sons of Jeroboam might come to justice and their blood would be avenged on their brother Abimelech who killed him and on the lords of Shechem who had helped him kill his brothers. The lords of Shechem rebelled against him by putting people on the tops of mountains to ambush and rob everyone who passed by them on the robe. The robe ruad. So this was reported to Abimelech. Gal, son of Ibad, came with his brothers and crossed into Shechem, and the lords of Shechem trusted him. So they went out to the countryside and harvested grapes from their vineyards. They trod the grapes and held a celebration. Then they went to the house of their god, and as they ate and drank, they cursed Abimelech. Gal, son of Ibad, said, Who is Abimelech, and who is Shechem, that we should serve him? Isn't he the son of Jeroboam, and isn't Zebul his officer? You are to serve the men of Hamor, the father of Shechem. Why should we serve Abimelech? If only these people were in my power, I would remove Abimelech. So he said to Abimelech, Gather your army and come out. When Zebul, the ruler of the city, heard the words of Gal, son of Abed, he was angry. So he sent messengers secretly to Abimelech, saying, Look, Gal, son of Abed, with his brothers, have come to Shechem and are turning the city against you. Now tonight you and the people with you are to come wait in ambush in the countryside. Then get up early and at sunrise charge the city. When he and the people who are with him come out against you, do to him whatever you can. So Abimelech and all the people with him got up at night and waited in ambush for Shechem and four units. Gal, son of Abed, went out and stood at the entrance of the city gate. Then Abimelech and all the people who were with him got up from their ambush. When Gal saw the people, he said to Zebul, Look, people are coming down from the mountain tops. 
But Zebul said to him, The shadows of the mountains look like men to you. Then Gal spoke again, Look, people are coming down from the central part of the land, and one unit is coming from the direction of the diviner's oak. Zebul replied, Where is your mouthing off now? You said, Who is Abimelech that we should serve him? Aren't these the people you despised? Now go and fight them. So Gal went out, leading the lords of Shechem, and fought against Abimelech. But Abimelech pursued him, and Gal fled before him. Many wounded died as far as the entrance of the gate. Abimelech stayed in Aramah, and Zebul drove Gal and his brothers from Shechem. The next day, when the people went into the countryside, this was reported to Abimelech. He took the people, divided them into three companies, and waited in ambush in the countryside. He looked, and the people were coming out of the city, so he arose against them and struck them down. Then Abimelech and the units that were with him rushed forward and took their stand at the entrance of the city gate. The other two units rushed against all who were in the countryside and struck them down. So Abimelech fought against the city that entire day, captured it and killed the people who were in it. Then he tore down the city and sowed it with salt. When all the lords of the tower of Shechem heard, they entered the inner chamber of the temple of Elberith. Then it was reported to Abimelech that all the lords of the tower of Shechem had gathered together. So Abimelech and all the people who were with him went up to Mount Zalmon. Abimelech took his axe in his hand and cut a branch from the trees. He picked up the branch, put it on his shoulder and said to the people who were with him, Hurry and do what you have seen me do. Each person also cut his own branch and followed Abimelech. They put the branches against the inner chamber and set it on fire around the people. And all the people in the tower of Shechem died, about one thousand men and women. Abimelech went to Thebes, camped against it and captured it. There was a strong tower inside the city, and all the men, women, and lords of the city fled there. They locked themselves in and went up to the roof of the tower. When Abimelech came to attack the tower, he approached its entrance to set it on fire. But a woman threw the upper portion of a millstone on Abimelech's head and fractured his skull. He quickly called his armour-bearer and said to him, Draw your sword and kill me, or they'll say about me, a woman killed him. So his armour-bearer thrust him through, and he died. When the Israelites saw that Abimelech was dead, they all went home. In this way, the evil that Abimelech had done against his father, by killing his seventy brothers, God turned back on him. And God also returned all the evil of the men of Shechem on their heads. So the curse of Jotham, son of Jeroboam, came on them. After Abimelech, Tola, son of Pua, son of Dedo, became judge and began to deliver Israel. He was from Ishkar and lived in Shamir in the hill country of Ephraim. Tola judged Israel twenty-three years, and when he died was buried in Shamir. After him came Jair the Gileadite, who judged Israel twenty-two years. He had thirty sons who rode on thirty young donkeys. They had thirty towns in Gilead which are called Jair's villages to this day. When Jair died, he was buried in Camon. There was a certain man from Zorah from the family of Dan whose name was Manoah. I'm sorry, this is Judges 13. Now we're into Judges 13 verses 2. There was a certain man from Zorah from the family of Dan whose name was Manoah. His wife was barren and had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, It is true that you are barren and have no children, but you will conceive and give birth to a son. Now please be careful not to drink wine or other alcoholic beverages, or to eat anything unclean, for indeed you will conceive and give birth to a son. You must never cut his hair, because the boy will be a Nazarite to God from birth, and he will begin to save Israel from the power of the Philistines. 
Then the woman went and told her husband, A man of God came to me. He looked like the awe-inspiring angel of God. I didn't ask him where he came from and he didn't tell me his name. He said to me, You will conceive and give birth to a son. Therefore do not drink wine or other alcoholic beverages and do not eat anything unclean, because the boy will be a Nazarite to God from birth until the day of his death. Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, let the man of God you sent come again to us and teach us what we should do for the boy who will be born. God listened to Manoah, and the angel of God came again to the woman. She was sitting in the field and her husband Manoah was not with her. The woman ran quickly to her husband and told him, The man who came to me today has just come back. So Manoah got up and followed his wife. When he came to the man, he asked, Are you the man who spoke to my wife? I am, he said. Then Manoah asked, When your words come true, what will the boy's responsibilities and mission be? The angel of the Lord answered Manoah, Your wife needs to do everything I told her. She must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine or drink wine or other alcoholic beverages. And she must not eat anything unclean. Your wife must do everything I have commanded her. Please stay here, Manoah told him, and we will prepare a young goat for you. The angel of the Lord said to him, If I stay, I won't eat your food. But if you want to prepare a burnt offering, offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know he was the angel of the Lord. Then Manoah said to him, What is your name so that we may honour you when your words come true? Why do you ask my name? The angel of the Lord asked him, since it is wonderful. Manoah took a young goat and a grain offering and offered them on a rock to the Lord. And he did a wonderful thing while Manoah and his wife were watching. When the flame went up from the altar to the sky, the angel of the Lord went up in its flame. When Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell face down on the ground. The angel of the Lord did not appear again to Manoah and his wife. Then Manoah realised that it was the angel of the Lord. We're going to die, he said to his wife, because we have seen God. But his wife said to him, if the Lord had intended to kill us, he wouldn't have accepted the burnt offering and the grain offering from us. And he would not have shown us all these things or spoken to us now like this. There we end day 92. So we continue week 14 as we move through day 93 and continuing in Judges and then into 1 Samuel. Beginning at Judges 13, 24 and 25. So the woman gave birth to a son and named him Samson. The boy grew and the Lord blessed him. Then the Spirit of the Lord began to direct him in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtol. We go back into Judges 11, 1-3. Jephthah the Gileadite was a great warrior, but he was the son of a prostitute and Gilead was his father. Gilead's wife bore him sons and when they grew up they drove Jephthah out and said to him, You will have no inheritance in our father's house because you are the son of another woman. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob. Then some lawless men joined Jephthah and travelled with him. And then we move into 1 Samuel, beginning at chapter 1, verse 1. There was a man from Ramathiam Zophim in the hill country of Ephraim. His name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. He had two wives, the first named Hannah and the second Peniah. Peniah had children, but Hannah was childless. This man would go up from his town every year to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were the Lord's priests. Whenever Elkanah 
offered a sacrifice, he always gave portions of the meat to his wife, Paniah, and to each of her sons and daughters. But he gave a double portion to Hannah, for he loved her, even though the Lord had kept her from conceiving. Her rival would taunt her severely just to provoke her, because the Lord had kept Hannah from conceiving. Whenever she went up to the Lord's house, her rival taunted her in this way every year. Hannah wept and would not eat. Hannah, why are you crying? her husband Elkanah asked. Why won't you eat? Why are you troubled? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Hannah got up after they ate and drank at Shiloh. Eli the priest was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's tabernacle. Deeply hurt, Hannah prayed to the Lord and wept with many tears. Making a vow, she pleaded, Lord of hosts, if you will take notice of your servant's affliction, remember and not forget me, and give your servant a son, I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and his hair will never be cut. While she was praying in the Lord's presence, Eli watched her lips. Hannah was speaking to herself, and although her lips were moving, her voice could not be heard. Eli thought she was drunk and scolded her, How long are you going to be drunk? Get rid of your wine. No, my lord, Hannah replied, I am a woman with a broken heart. I haven't had any wine or beer. I've been pouring out my heart before the Lord. Don't think of me as a wicked woman. I've been praying from the depth of my anguish and resentment. Eli responded, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant the petition you've requested from him. May your servant find favour with you, she replied. Then Hannah went on her way. She ate and no longer appeared downcast. The next morning Elkanah and Hannah got up early to bow and to worship the Lord. Afterwards they returned home to Ramah. Then Elkanah was intimate with his wife Hannah and the Lord remembered her. After some time Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel because the Lord said, I requested him from the Lord. When Elkanah and all his household went up to make the annual sacrifice and his vow offering to the Lord, Hannah did not go and explain to her husband, After the child is weaned, I'll take him to appear in the Lord's presence and to stay there permanently. Her husband Elkanah replied, Do what you think is best and stay here until you've weaned him. May the Lord confirm your word. So Hannah stayed there and nursed her son until she weaned him. When she had weaned him, she took him with her to Shiloh, as well as a three-year-old bull, two and one-half gallons of flour and a jar of wine. Though the boy was still young, she took him to the Lord's house at Shiloh. Then they slaughtered the bull and brought the boy to Eli. Please, my lord, she said, as sure as you live, my lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this boy, and since the Lord gave me what I asked him for, I now give the boy to the Lord. For as long as he lives, he is given to the Lord. Then she bowed and worshipped the Lord there. Hannah prayed, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is lifted up by the Lord. My mouth boasts over my enemies, because I rejoice in your salvation. There is no one holy like the Lord, there is no one beside you, and there is no rock like our God. Do not boast so proudly, or let arrogant words come out of your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and actions are weighed by him. The bows of the warriors are broken, but the feeble are clothed with strength. Those who are full hire themselves out for food, but those who are starving hunger no more. The barren woman give birth to seven, but the woman with many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and gives life. He sends some to Sheol and he raises others up. The Lord brings poverty and gives wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the garbage pile. 
He seats them with noblemen and gives them a throne of honour. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. He has set the world in them. He guards the steps of his faithful ones, but the wicked are silenced in darkness. For a man does not prevail by his own strength. Those who oppose the Lord will be shattered. He will thunder in the heavens against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give power to his king. He will lift up the horn of his anointed. And back in Judges chapter 10 verse 6. Then the Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They worshipped the Baals and the Ashtaroths, the gods of Aram, Sidon and Moab, and the gods of the Ammonites and the Philistines. They abandoned the Lord and did not worship him. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel and he sold them to the Philistine and Ammonites. They shattered and crushed the Israelites that year, and for the eighteen years they did the same to all the Israelites who were on the other side of the Jordan, in the land of the Amorites and Gilead. The Ammonites also crossed the Jordan to fight against Judah, Benjamin, the house of Ephraim. Israel was greatly oppressed. So they cried out to the Lord, saying, We have sinned against you. We have abandoned our God and worshipped the Baals. The Lord said to the Israelites, When the Egyptians, Amorites, Ammonites, Philistines, Sidonians... Amalekites and Mayanites oppressed you and you cried out to me, Did I not deliver you from their power? But you have abandoned me and worshipped other gods. Therefore I will not deliver you again. Go and cry out to the gods you have chosen. Let them deliver you in the time of your oppression. But the Israelites said, We have sinned. Deal with us as you see fit. Only deliver us today. So they got rid of the foreign gods among them and worshipped the Lord but he became weary of Israel's misery. The Ammonites were called together and they camped in Gilead. So the Israelites assembled and camped at Mizpah. The rulers of Gilead said to one another, Which man will lead the fight against the Ammonites? He will be the leader of all the inhabitants of Gilead. And Judges 13 verse 1. The Israelites again did what was evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Philistines forty years. We go into Sam. Chapter 106, verses 34 to 46. They did not destroy the peoples as the Lord had commanded them, but mingled with the nations and adopted their ways. They served their idols, which became a snare to them. They sacrificed their sons and daughters to demons. They shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. So the land became polluted with blood. They defiled themselves by their actions and prostituted themselves by their deeds. Therefore the Lord's anger burned against his people, and he abhorred his own inheritance. He handed them over to the nations. Those who hated them ruled them. Their enemies oppressed them, and they were subdued under their power. He rescued them many times, but they continued to rebel deliberately and were beaten down by their sin. When he heard their cry, he took note of their distress, remembered his covenant with them, and relented according to the abundance of his faithful love. He caused them to be pitied before all their captors. Then we go into Judges chapter 14 verses 1 to 14 uh, to end today. Samson went down to Timnah and saw a young Philistine woman there. He went back and told his father and his mother, I have seen a young Philistine woman in Timnah, now get her for me as a wife. But his father and mother said to him, Can't you find a young woman among your relatives or among any of our people? Must we go to the uncircumcised Philistines for a wife? But Samson told his father, Get her for me, because I want her. Now his father and mother did not know this was from the Lord, who was seeking an occasion against the Philistines. At that time the Philistines were ruling over Israel. 
Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. Suddenly a young lion came roaring at him. The spirit of the Lord took control of him and he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. But he did not tell his father or mother what he had done. Then he went and spoke to the woman because Samson wanted her. After some time when he returned to get her, he left the road to see the lion's carcass and there was a swarm of bees with honey in the carcass. He scooped some honey into his hands and ate it as he went along. When he returned to his father and mother, he gave some to them and they ate it. But he did not tell them that he had scooped the honey from the lion's carcass. His father went to visit the woman and Samson prepared a feast there, as young men were accustomed to do. When the Philistines saw him, they brought thirty men to accompany him. Let me tell you a riddle, Samson said to them. If you can explain it to me during the seven days of the feast and figure it out, I will give you thirty linen garments and thirty changes of clothes. But if you can't explain it to me, you must give me thirty linen garments and thirty changes of clothes. Tell us your riddle, they replied. Let's hear it. So he said to them, Out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. After three days they were unable to explain the riddle. And there, with that riddle hanging, we end day 93. Day 94, we continue Samson's riddle from Judges 14. On the fourth day they said to Samson's wife, Persuade your husband to explain the riddle to us or we will burn you and your father's household to death. Did you invite us here to rob us? They said that in those wonderful tones there. So Samson's wife came to him weeping and she said, You hate me and don't love me. You told my people a riddle but haven't explained it to me. Look, he said, I haven't even explained it to my father or mother, so why should I explain it to you? She wept the whole seven days of the feast, and at last, on the seventh day, he explained it to her because she had nagged him so much. Then she explained it to her people. On the seventh day before sunset, the men of the city said to him, What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? So he said to them, If you hadn't ploughed with my young cow, you wouldn't know my riddle now. The Spirit of the Lord took control of him, and he went down to Ashkelon and killed thirty of their men. He stripped them and gave their clothes to those who had explained the riddle. In a rage, Samson returned to his father's house, and his wife was given to one of the men who had accompanied him. Later on, during the wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat as a gift and visited his wife. I want to go to my wife in her room, he said, but her father would not let him enter. I was sure you hated her, her father said, so I gave her to one of the men who accompanied you. Isn't her younger sister more beautiful than she is? Why not take her instead? And we go back then into 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 12. Eli's sons were wicked men. They had no regard for the Lord or for the priest's share of the sacrifices from the people. When any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-pronged meat fork while the meat was boiling and plunge it into the container or kettle or cauldron or cooking pot. The priest would claim for himself whatever the meat fork fork brought up. This is the way they treated all the Israelites who came there to Shiloh. Even before the fat was burned, the priest's servants would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, Give the priest some meat to roast, because he won't accept boiled meat from you, only raw. If that man said to him, The fat must be burned first, then you can take whatever you want for yourself, the servant would reply, No, I insist that you hand it over right now. If you don't, I'll take it by force. So the servants' sin were very severe in the presence of the Lord because they treated the Lord's offering with contempt. 
Elkanah went home to Ramah, but the boy served the Lord in the presence of Eli the priest. The boy Samuel served in the Lord's presence and wore a linen ephod. Each year his mother made him a little robe and took it to him when she went with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife. May the Lord give you children by this woman in place of the one she has given to the Lord. Then they would go home. The Lord paid attention to Hannah's need and she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Into Now Eli was very old. He heard about everything his sons were doing to all Israel and how they were sleeping with the woman who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. He said to them, Why are you doing these things? I have heard about your evil actions from all these people. No, my sons, the report I hear from the Lord's people is not good. If a man sins against another man, God can intercede for him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? But they would not listen to their father since the Lord intended to kill them. By contrast, the boy Samuel grew in stature and in favour with the Lord and with men. A man of God came to Eli and said to him, This is what the Lord says. Didn't I reveal myself to your ancestral house when I was in Egypt and belonged to Pharaoh's palace? I selected your house from the tribes of Israel to be priests, to offer sacrifices on my altar, to burn incense and to wear an ephod in my presence. I also gave your house all the Israelite fire offerings. Why then do you, all of you, despise my sacrifices and offerings that I require at the place of worship? You have honoured your sons more than me by making yourselves fat with the best part of all the offerings of my people Israel. Therefore the Lord, the God of Israel, says, Although I said your family and your ancestral house would walk before me forever, the Lord now says no longer. I will honour those who honour me, but those who despise me will be disgraced. Look, the days are coming when I will cut off your strength and the strength of your ancestral family, so that none in your family will reach old age. You will see distress in the place of worship, in spite of all that is good in Israel, and no one in your family will ever again reach old age. Any man from your family I do not cut off from my altar will bring grief and sadness to you. All your descendants will die violently. This will be the sign that you will come to you concerning your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. Both of them will die on the same day. Then I will raise up a faithful priest for myself. He will do whatever is in my heart and mind. I will establish a lasting dynasty for him, and he will walk before my anointed one for all time. Anyone who is left in your family will come and bow down to him for a piece of silver or a loaf of bread. He will say, please appoint me to do some priestly office so I can have a piece of bread to eat. And we go into 1 Samuel 9 verse 1. There was an influential man of Benjamin called Kish, son of Abiel, son of Zeror, son of Bukharah, son of Aphiah, son of Benjaminite. And 1 Samuel fourteen fifty one, Saul's father was Kish. Abner's father was Ner, son of Abiel. Then back into 1 Samuel chapter 3. The boy Samuel served the Lord in Eli's presence. In those days the words of the Lord was rare and prophetic visions were not widespread. One day Eli, whose eyesight was failing, was lying in his room. Before the lamp of God had gone out, Samuel was lying down in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was located. When the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here I am. He ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. I didn't call, Eli replied. Go and lie down. So he went and lay down. Once again the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. 
I didn't call my son, he replied, go and lie down. Now Samuel had not yet experienced the Lord because of the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Once again, for the third time, the Lord called Samuel. He got up, went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli understood that the Lord was calling the boy. He told Samuel, go and lie down. If he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came, stood there and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel responded, speak, for your servant is listening. The Lord said to Samuel, I am about to do something in Israel that everyone who hears about it will shudder. On that day I will carry out against Eli everything I said about his family, from beginning to end. I told him that I am going to judge his family forever because of the iniquity he knows about. His sons are defiling the sanctuary and he has not stopped them. Therefore I have sworn to Eli's family, the iniquity of Eli's family will never be wiped out by either sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until the morning, then he opened the doors of the Lord's house. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Here I am, answered Samuel. What was the message he gave you, Eli asked. Don't hide it from me. May God punish you and do so severely if you hide anything from me that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and did not hide anything from him. Eli responded, He is the Lord. He will do what he thinks is good. Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let nothing he said prove false. All Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was a confirmed prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear in Shiloh because there he revealed himself to Samuel by his word. We go back into Judges 11 for the rest of today, beginning at verse 4. Sometime later the Ammonites fought against Israel. When the Ammonites made war with Israel, the elders of Gilead went to get Japhtath from the land of Tob. They said to him, Come, be our commander and let's fight against the Ammonites. Japhtath replied to the elders of Gilead, Didn't you hate me and drive me from my father's house? Why then have you come to me now when you're in trouble? They answered Japhtath, Since that's true, we now turn to you. Come, fight with us, fight the Ammonites, and you will become leader of all the inhabitants of Gilead. So Jephthah said to them, If you are bringing me back to fight the Ammonites and the Lord gives them to me, I will be your leader. The elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, The Lord is our witness if we don't do as you say. So Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead. The people put him over themselves as leader and commander, and Jephthah repeated all his terms in the presence of the Lord at Mizpah. Jephthah sent messengers to the king of the Ammonites, saying, What do you have against me that you have come to fight against me in my land? The kings of the Ammonites said to Jephthah's messengers, When Israel came from Egypt, they seized my land from the Arnon to the Jabbok and the Jordan. Now restore it peaceably. Jephthah again sent messengers to the king of the Ammonites to tell him, This is what Jephthah says. Israel did not take away the land of Moab or the land of the Ammonites, but when they came from Egypt, Israel travelled through the wilderness to the Red Sea and came to Kadesh. Israel sent messengers to the king of Edom, saying, Please let us travel through your land. But the king of Edom would not listen. They also sent messengers to the king of Moab, but he refused. So Israel stayed in Kadesh. Then they travelled through the wilderness and around the lands of Edom and Moab, They came to the east side of the land of Moab and camped on the other side of the Arnon, but did not enter into the territory of Moab, for the Arnon was the boundary of Moab. Then Israel sent messengers to Shihon, 
King of the Amorites, King of Heshbon. Israel said to him, Please let us travel through your land to our country. But Sihon did not trust Israel. Instead, Sihon gathered all his people, camped at Jahaz, and fought with Israel. Then the Lord God of Israel handed over Sihon and all his people to Israel, and they defeated them. So Israel took possession of the entire land of the Amorites who lived in that country. They took possession of all the territory of the Amorites from the Arnon to the Jabbok and from the wilderness to the Jordan. The Lord God of Israel has now driven out the Amorites before his people Israel, but will you drive us out? Isn't it true that you may possess whatever your God Shemosh drives out for you, and we may possess everything the Lord our God drives out before us? Now are you any better than Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he ever contend with Israel or fight against them? While Israel lived three hundred years in Heshbon and its villages, in Arar and its villages, and in all the cities that are on the banks of the Arnon, why didn't you take them back at that time? I have not sinned against you, but you have wronged me by fighting against me. Let the Lord who is the judge decide today between the Israelites and the Ammonites. But the king of the Ammonites would not listen to Jephthah's message that he sent him. And there we end day 94. So we continue on day 95 through Judges and First Samuel kind of coinciding and going along side by side. Read Judges eleven twenty nine. The Spirit of the Lord came on Jephthah, who travelled through Gilead and Manasseh, and then through Mizpah of Gilead. He crossed over to the Ammonites from Mizpah of Gilead. Jephthah made this vow to the Lord. If you will hand over the Amorites to me, whatever comes out of the doors of my house to greet me when I return in peace from the Ammonites will belong to the Lord, and I will offer it as a burnt offering. Jephthah crossed over to the Ammonites to fight against them, and the Lord handed them over to him. He defeated twenty of their cities with a great slaughter from Aror all the way to the entrance of Minnith and to Abel-Kiram. So the Ammonites were subdued before the Israelites. When Jephthah went to his home in Mizpah, there was his daughter coming out to meet him with tambourines and dancing. She was his only child. He had no other son or daughter besides her. When he saw her, he tore his clothes and said, No, not my daughter. You have devastated me. You have brought great misery on me. I have given my word to the Lord and cannot take it back. Then she said to him, My father, you have given your word to the Lord. Do to me as you have said, for the Lord brought vengeance on your enemies, the Ammonites. She also said to her father, Let me do this one thing. Let me wander two months through the mountains with my friends and mourn my virginity. Go, he said, and he sent her away two months. So she left with her friends and mourned her virginity as she wandered through the mountains. At the end of two months she returned to her father and he kept the vow he had made about her and she never had been intimate with a man. Now it became a custom in Israel that four days each year the young woman of Israel would commemorate the daughter of Jephthah the Gileadite. The men of Ephraim were called together and crossed the Jordan to Zaphon. They said to Jephthah, Why have you crossed over to fight against the Ammonites but didn't call us to go with you? We will burn their house down with you in it. Then Jephthah said to them, My people and I had a serious conflict with the Ammonites, so I called for you, but you didn't deliver me from their power. When I saw that you weren't going to deliver me, I took my life into my own hands and crossed over to the Ammonites, and the Lord handed them over to me. Why then have you come today to fight against me? Then Jephthah gathered all of the men of Gilead. They fought and defeated Ephraim, because Ephraim had said, You Gileadites are Ephraimite 
fugitives in the territories of Ephraim and Manasseh. Some mouthful. The Gileadites captured the fords of the Jordan leading to Ephraim. Whenever a fugitive from Ephraim said, Let me cross over, the Gileadites asked him, Are you an Ephraimite? If he answered no, they told him, Please say Shibboleth. If he said Sibboleth, because he could not pronounce it correctly, they seized him and killed him at the fords of the Jordan. At that time, 42,000 from Ephraim died. Jephthah judged Israel six years, and when he died, he was buried in one of the cities of Gilead. Then on the Judges 15.20, and he judged Israel 20 years in the days of the Philistines. Talking about Samson. Then we go into 1 Samuel 4 and continue through 1 Samuel for the rest of today. 1 Samuel 4 verse 1. And Samuel's words came to all Israel. Israel went out to meet the Philistines in battle and camped at Ebenezer, while the Philistines camped at Aphek. The Philistines lined up in battle formation against Israel, and as the battle intensified, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who struck down about 4,000 men on the battlefield. When the troops returned to the camp, the elders of Israel asked, Why did the Lord let us be defeated today by the Philistines? Let's bring the Ark of the Lord's Covenant from Shiloh. Then it will go with us and save us from the hand of our enemies. So the people sent men to Shiloh to bring back the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. When the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord entered the camp, all the Israelites raised such a loud shout that the ground shook. The Philistines heard the sound of the war cry and asked, What's this loud shout in the Hebrews' camp? When the Philistines discovered that the Ark of the Lord had entered the camp, they panicked. The gods have entered their camp, they said. Woe to us, nothing like this has happened before. Woe to us, who will rescue us from the hand of these magnificent gods? These are the gods that slaughtered the Egyptians with all kinds of plagues in the wilderness. Show some courage and be men, Philistines, otherwise you'll serve the Hebrews just like they served you. Now be men and fight. So the Philistines fought and Israel was defeated, and each man fled to his tent. The slaughter was severe, 30,000 of the Israelite foot soldiers fell. The Ark of God was captured and Eli's two, Eli's two sons Hophni and Phinehas died. That same day a Benjaminite man ran from the battle and came to Shiloh. His clothes were torn and there was dirt in his head. When he arrived there was Eli sitting on the chair beside the road watching, because he was anxious about the Ark of God. When the man entered the city to give a report, the entire city cried out. Eli heard the outcry and asked, Why this commotion? The man quickly came and reported to Eli. At that time Eli was 98 years old and his gaze was fixed because he couldn't see. The man said to Eli, I am the one who came from the battle. I fled from there today. What happened, my son? Eli asked. The messenger answered, Israel has fled from the Philistines, and also there was a great slaughter among the people. Your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are both dead, and the Ark of God has been captured. When he mentioned the Ark of God, Eli fell backwards off the chair by the city gate, and since he was old and heavy, his neck broke and he died. Eli had judged Israel forty years. Eli's daughter-in-law, the wife of Phinehas, was pregnant and about to give birth. When she heard the news about the capture of God's ark and the deaths of her father-in-law and her husband, she collapsed and gave birth because her labour pains came on her. As she was dying, the woman taking care of her said, Don't be afraid, you've given birth to a son. But she did not respond and did not pay attention. 
She named the boy Ishkabod, saying, The glory of God has departed from Israel, referring to the capture of the ark of God and to the death of her father-in-law and her husband. The glory has departed from Israel, she said, because the ark of God has been captured. After the Philistines had captured the ark of God, they took it from Ebenezer to Ashdod, brought it into the temple of Dagon and placed it next to his statue. When the people of Ashdod got up early the next morning, there was Dagon fallen with his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and returned him to his place. But when they got up early the next morning, there was Dagon fallen with his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. This time both Dagon's head and the palms of his hands were broken off and lying on the threshold. Only Dagon's torso remained. This is why to this day the priests of Dagon and everyone who enters the temple of Dagon and Ashdod do not step on Dagon's threshold. The Lord severely oppressed the people of Ashdod, terrorising and afflicting the people of Ashdod and its territory with tumours. When the men of Ashdod saw what was happening, they said, The ark of Israel's God must not stay here with us, because his hand is severe against us and our God Dagon. So they called all the Philistine rulers together and asked, What should we do with the ark of Israel's God? The ark of Israel's God should be moved to Gath, they said, so the men of Ashdod moved the ark. After they had moved it, the Lord's hand was against the city of Gath, causing a great panic. He afflicted the men of the city from the youngest to the oldest with an outbreak of tumours. The Gathites then sent the Ark of God to Ekron, but when it got there, the Ekronites cried out, They've moved the Ark of Israel's God to us to kill us and our people. The Ekronites called all the Philistine rulers together. They said, Send the Ark of Israel's God away. It must return to its place so it won't kill us and our people. For the fear of death pervaded the city. God's hand was heavy there. The men who did not die were afflicted with tumours, and the outcry of the city went up to heaven. When the ark of the Lord had been in the land of the Philistines for seven months, the Philistines summoned the priests and the diviners and pleaded, What should we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us how we can send it back to its place. They replied, If you send the ark of Israel's God away, you must not send it without an offering. You must return it with a guilt offering and you will be healed. Then the reason his hand hasn't been removed from you will be revealed. They asked, What guilt offering should we send back to him? They answered, Five gold tumours and five gold mice corresponding to the number of Philistine rulers, since there was one plague for both you and your rulers. Make images of your tumours and of your mice that are destroying the land. Give glory to Israel's God and perhaps he will stop oppressing you, your gods and your land. Why harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened theirs? When he afflicted them, didn't they send Israel away and Israel left? Now then, prepare one new cart and two milk cows that have never been yoked. Hitch the cows to the cart, but take their calves away and pen them up. Take the ark of the Lord, place it on the cart, and put gold objects in a box beside it. When you're sending him as a guilt offering, send it off and let it go its way. Then watch, if it goes up the road to its homeland, toward Beth Shemesh, it is the Lord who has made this terrible trouble for us. However, if it doesn't, we will know that it was not his hand that punished us. It was just something that happened to us by chance. The men did this. They took two milk cows, hitched them to the cart and confined their calves in the pen. Then they perked the ark of the Lord on the cart along with the box containing the gold mice and the images of the tumours. The cows went straight up to the road to Beth Shemesh. They stayed on that one highway lowing as they went. They never strayed to the right or to the left. The Philistine rulers were walking behind them to the territory of Beth Shemesh. There we end day 95.
day 96 as we continue through this uh, story of 1 Samuel and also Judges. 1 Samuel 6 verse 13. The people of Beth Shemesh were harvesting wheat in the valley, and when they looked up and saw the ark, they were overjoyed to see it. The cart came to the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh and stopped there near, near a large rock. The people of the city chopped up the cart and offered the cows as a burnt offering to the Lord. The Levites removed the ark of the Lord along with the box containing the gold objects and placed them on the large rock. That day the men of Beth Shemesh offered burnt offerings and made sacrifices to the Lord. When the five Philistine rulers observed this, they returned to Ekron that same day. As a guilt offering to the Lord, the Philistines had sent back one gold tumour for each city, Ashdod, Gaza, Ashkelon, Gath and Ekron. The number of gold mice also corresponded to the number of Philistine cities of the five rulers, the fortified cities and the outlying villages. The large rock on which the Ark of the Lord is placed is in the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh to this day. God struck down the men of Beth Shemesh because they looked inside the Ark of the Lord. He struck down 70 men out of 50,000 men. The people wept because the Lord struck them with a great slaughter. The men of Beth Shemesh asked, Who is able to stand in the presence of this holy Lord God? Who should the ark go to from here? They sent messengers to the residents of Kiriath-Jerim, saying, The Philistines have returned the ark of the Lord. Come down and get it. So the men of Kiriath-Jerim came for the ark of the Lord and took it to Abinadab's house on the hill. They consecrated his son Eliezer to take care of it. Time went by until twenty years had passed since the ark had been taken to Kiriath-Jerim. Then the whole house of Israel began to seek the Lord. Ibzan, who was from Bethlehem, judged Israel after Jephthah and had thirty sons. He gave his thirty daughters in marriage to men outside the tribe and brought back thirty wives for his sons from outside the tribe. Ibzan judged Israel seven years and when he died he was buried in Bethlehem. We're into Judges 15 verse 3. Samson said to them, This time I won't be responsible when I harm the Philistines. So he went out and caught 300 foxes. He took torches, turned the foxes tail to tail, and put a torch between each pair of tails. Then he ignited the torches and released the foxes into the standing grain of the Philistines. He burned up the piles of grain and the standing grain as well as the vineyards and olive groves. Then the Philistines asked, Who did this? They were told it was Samson, the Timonite's son-in-law, because he has taken Samson's wife and given her to another man. So the Philistines went to her and her father and burned them to death. Then Samson told them, Because you did this, I swear that I won't rest until I have taken vengeance on you. He tore them limb from limb with a great slaughter, and he went down and stayed in the cave at the rock of Etam. The Philistines went up, camped in Judah, and raided Lehi. So the men of Judah said, Why have you attacked us? They replied, We have come to arrest Samson and pay him back for what he did to us. The three thousand men of Judah went to the cave at the rock of Etam, and they asked Samson, Don't you realise that the Philistines rule over us? What have you done to us? I have done to them what they did to me, he answered. They said to him, We've come to arrest you and hand you over to the Philistines. Then Samson told them, Swear to me that you yourselves won't kill me. No, they said, We won't kill you, but we will tie you up securely and hand you over to them. So they tied him up with two new ropes and led him away from the rock. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines came to meet him, shouting. The Spirit of the Lord took control of him, and the ropes that were on his arms became like burnt flax, and his bonds fell off his wrists. 
He found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, reached out his hand, took it and killed 1,000 men with it. Then Samson said, With the jawbone of a donkey I have piled him in a heap. With the jawbone of a donkey I have killed 1,000 men. When he finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone and named that place Ramathalihi. He became very thirsty and called out to the Lord, You have accomplished this great victory through your servant. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? So God split a hollow place in the ground at Lehi, and water came out of it. After Samson drank, his strength returned and he revived. That is why he named it En-Hakor, which is in Lehi to this day. Samson went to Gaza, where he saw a prostitute and went to bed with her. When the Gazites heard that Samson was there, they surrounded the place and waited in ambush for him all that night at the city gate. While they were waiting quietly, they said, Let us wait until dawn, then we will kill him. But Samson stayed in bed until midnight, when he got up, took hold of the doors of the city gate along with the two gateposts, and pulled them out, bar and all. He put them on his shoulders and took them to the top of the mountain overlooking Hebron. We go into 1 Samuel 14 verses 49 and 50. Saul's sons were Jonathan, Ishvi and Malashui. The names of his two daughters were Merab, his firstborn, and Michal, the younger. The name of Saul's wife was Ahinoam, daughter of Ahimanaz. The name of the commander of his army was Abner, son of Saul's uncle Ner. Back in the Judges 12, 11-12, Elon, who was from Zebulun, judged Israel after Ibzan. He judged Israel ten years, and when he died, he was buried in Adyolon, in the land of Zebulun. Back in the Judges 16, Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman named Delilah who lived in the Sorek Valley. The Philistine leaders went to her and said, Persuade him to tell you where his strength comes from, so we can overpower him, tie him up and make him helpless. Each of us will then give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me, where does your great strength come from? How could someone tie you up and make you helpless? Samson told her, If they tie me up with seven fresh bowstrings that have never been dried, I will become weak and be like any other man. The Philistine leaders brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had never been dried and she tied him up with them. While the men in ambush were waiting in her room, she called out to him, Samson, the Philistines are here. But he snapped the bowstrings as a strand of yarn snaps when it touches fire. The secret of his strength remained unknown. Then Delilah said to Samson, You have mocked me and told me lies. Won't you please tell me how you can be tied up? He told her, If they tie me up with new ropes that have never been used, I will become weak and be like any other man. Delilah took new ropes, tied him up with them and shouted, Samson, the Philistines are here. But while the men in ambush were waiting in her room, he snapped the ropes off his arms like a thread. Then Delilah said to Samson, You have mocked me all along and told me lies. Tell me how you can be tied up. He told her, If you weave the seven braids of my head with a web of a loom. She fastened the braids with a pin and called to him, Samson, the Philistines are here. He awoke from his sleep and pulled out the pin with the loom and the web. How can you say I love you, she told him, when your heart is not with me? This is the third time you have mocked me and told me, not told me what makes your strength so great. Because she nagged him day after day and pled with him until she wore him out, he told her the whole truth and said to her, My hair has never been cut because I am a Nazarite to God from birth. If I am shaved, my strength will leave me and I will become weak and be like any other man. 
When Delilah realised that he had told her the whole truth, she sent this message to the Philistine leaders. Come one more time, for he has told me the whole truth. The Philistine leaders came to her and brought the money with them. Then she let him fall asleep in her lap and called the man to shave off the seven braids on his head. In this way she rendered him helpless and his strength left him. Then she cried, Samson, the Philistines are here. When he awoke from his sleep, he said, I will escape as I did before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. The Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes. They brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles and he was forced to grind grain in the prison. But his hair began to grow back after it had been shaved. Now the Philistine leaders gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to their god Dagon. They rejoiced and said, Our God has handed over our enemy Samson to us. When the people saw him, they praised their God and said, Our God has handed over our enemy who destroyed our land and who multiplied our dead. But when they were drunk, they said, Bring Samson here to entertain us. So they brought Samson from prison and he entertained them. They had him stand between the pillars. Samson said to the young man who was leading him by the hand, Lead me where I can feel the pillars supporting the temple so I can lean against them. The temple was full of men and women. All the leaders of the Philistines were there and about 3,000 men and women were on the roof watching the Philistines and watching Samson entertain them. He called out to the Lord, Lord God, please remember me. Strengthen me, God, just once more. With one act of vengeance, let me pay back the Philistines for my two eyes. Samson took hold of the two middle pillars supporting the temple and leaned against them, one in his right hand and the other on his left. Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. He pushed with all his might and the temple fell on the leaders and all the people in it, and the dead he killed at his death were more than those he had killed in his life. Then his brothers and his father's family came down, carried him back and buried him between Zorah and Eshtaol in the tomb of his mother, father Manoah. So he judged Israel twenty years. Then we go back into 1 Samuel 7, 3-8 to finish today. Samuel told them, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, get rid of the foreign gods and the Ashtoreths that are among you. Dedicate yourselves to the Lord and worship only him. Then he will rescue you from the hand of the Philistines. So the Israelites removed the Baals and the Ashtoreths and only worshipped the Lord. Samuel said, Gather all Israel at Mizpah and I will pray to the Lord on your behalf. When they gathered at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out in the Lord's presence. They fasted that day, and there they confessed, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel began to lead the Israelites at Mizpah as their judge. When the Philistines heard that the Israelites had gathered at Mizpah, their rulers marched up towards Israel. When the Israelites heard about it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. The Israelites said to Samuel, Don't stop crying out to the Lord our God for us, so that he will save us from the hand of the Philistines. There we end, day 96. So we continue through day 97, through this story of 1 Samuel. And today it's all 1 Samuel, apart from two verses in Judges. But we start at 1 Samuel 7, verse 9. Then Samuel took a young lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on behalf of Israel, and the Lord answered him. Samuel was offering the burnt offering as the Philistines drew near to fight against Israel. The Lord thundered loudly against the Philistines that day and threw them each into a confusion that they fled before Israel. 
Then the men of Israel charged out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, striking them down all the way to a place below beth Afterwards Samuel took a stone and set it upright between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, explaining, The Lord has helped us up to this point. So the Philistines were subdued and did not invade Israel's territory again. The Lord's hand was against the Philistines all of Samuel's life. The cities from Ekron to Gath, which they had taken from Israel, were restored. Israel even rescued their surrounding territories from Philistine control. There was also peace between Israel and the Amorites. Samuel judged Israel throughout his life. Every year he would go on a circuit to Bethel, Gilgal and Mizpah and would judge Israel at all these locations. Then he would return to Ramah because his home was there. He judged Israel there and he had an altar built there to the Lord. And then we go into the two verses of Judges 12, 13 to 15. After Elon, Abdon son of Hillel, who was from Perathon, judged Israel. He had forty sons and thirty grandsons who rode on seventy donkeys. Abdon judged Israel eight years, and when he died he was buried in Perathon, in the land of Ephraim, in the hill country of the Amalekites. And then back into 1 Samuel 8. When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as judges over Israel. His firstborn son name was Joel and his second was Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. However, his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned toward dishonest gain, took bribes and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and went to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, Look, you are old and your sons do not follow your example. Therefore appoint a king to judge us the same as all the other nations have. When they said, Give us a king to judge us, Samuel considered their demand sinful, so he prayed to the Lord. But the Lord told him, Listen to the people and everything they say to you. They have not rejected you, they have rejected me as their king. They are doing the same thing to you that they have done to me, since the day I brought them out of Egypt and this, until this day, abandoning me and worshipping other gods. Listen to them, but you must solemnly warn them and tell them about the rights of the king who will rule over them. Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, These are the rights of the king who will rule over you. He can take your sons and put them to use in his chariots, on his horses, or running in front of his chariots. He can appoint them for his use as commanders of thousands or commanders of fifties, to plough his ground or reap his harvest, or to make his weapons of war or the equipment for his chariots. He can take your daughters to become perfumers, cooks and bakers. He can take your best fields, vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his servants. He can take a tenth of your grain and your vineyards and give them to his officials and servants. He can take your male servants, your female servants, your best young men and your donkeys and use them for his work. He can take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves can become his servants. When that day comes you will cry out because of the king you've chosen for yourselves, but the Lord won't answer you on that day. The people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we must have a king over us. Then we'll be like all the other nations. Our king will judge us, go out before us and fight our battles. Samuel listened to all the people's words and then repeated them to the Lord. Listen to them, the Lord told Samuel. Appoint a king for them. Then Samuel told the men of Israel, each of you go back to your city. He had a son named Saul, an impressive young man. There was no one more impressive among the Israelites than he. He stood a head taller than anyone else. One day the donkeys of Saul's father, Kish, wandered off. Kish said to his son Saul, Take one of the attendants with you and go and look for the donkeys. 
Saul and his attendant went through the hill country of Ephraim and then through the region of Shashilash, but they didn't find them there. They went through the region of Shalim, nothing. Then they went through the Benjaminite region, but still didn't find them. When they came to the land of Zuf, Saul said to the attendant who was with him, Come on, let's go back or my father will stop worrying about the donkeys and start worrying about us. Look, the attendant said, there's a man of God in this city who is highly respected. Everything he says is sure to come true. Let's go there now. Maybe he'll tell us which way we should go. Suppose we do go, said Saul said to his attendant. What do we take the man? The food from our packs is gone and there's no gift to take the man of God. What do we have? The attendant answered Saul, Here, I have a piece of silver. I'll give it to the man of God and he will tell us our way. Formerly in Israel, a man who was going to inquire of God would say, Come, let's go to the seer. For the prophet of today was formerly called the seer. Good, Saul replied to his attendant. Come on, let's go. So they went to the city where the man of God was. As they were climbing the hill to the city, they found some young woman coming out to draw water and asked, Is the seer here? The woman answered, Yes, he is ahead of you. Hurry, he just now came to the city because there's a sacrifice for the people at the high place today. If you go quickly, you can catch up with him before he goes to the high place to eat. The people won't eat until he comes because he must bless the sacrifice. After that, the guests can eat. Go up immediately, you can find him now. So they went up toward the city. Saul and his attendant were entering the city when they saw Samuel coming toward them on his way to the high place. Now the day before Saul's arrival, the Lord had informed Samuel, At this time tomorrow I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him ruler over my people Israel. He will save them from the hand of the Philistines, because I have seen the affliction of my people, for their cry has come to me. When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord told him, Here is the man I told you about. He will rule over my people. Saul approached Samuel in the gate area and asked, Would you please tell me where the seer's house is? I am the seer, Samuel answered. Go up ahead of me to the high place and eat with me today. When I send you off in the morning, I'll tell you everything that's in your heart. As for the donkeys that wandered away from you three days ago, don't worry about them because they've been found. And who does all Israel desire but you and your father's family? Saul responded, Am I not a Benjamite from the smallest of Israel's tribes? And isn't my clan the least important of all the clans of the Benjamite tribe? So why have you said something like this to me? Samuel took Saul and his attendant, brought them to the banquet hall, and gave them a place at the head of the thirty or so men who had been invited. Then Samuel said to the cook, Get the portion of meat that I gave you and told you to set aside. The cook picked up the thigh and what was attached to it and set it before Saul. Then Samuel said, Notice that the reserve piece is set before you. Eat it because it was sealed for you for the solemn event at the time I said I've invited the people. So Saul ate with Samuel that day. Afterwards they went down from the high place to the city and Samuel spoke with Saul on the roof. They got up early and just before dawn Samuel said to Saul and called him onto the roof, Get up and I'll send you on your way. Saul got up and both he and Samuel went outside. As they were going down to the edge of the city Samuel said to Saul, Tell the attendant to go on ahead of us, but you stay for a while, and I'll reveal the word of God to you. So the attendant went on. Samuel took a flask of oil, poured it on Saul's head, and kissed him, and said, Hasn't the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? Today, when you leave me, you'll find two men at Rachel's grave at Zelzal, in the land of Benjamin. 
They will say to you, the donkeys you went looking for have been found and now your father has stopped being concerned about the donkeys and is worried about you, asking what should I do about my son? You will proceed from there until you come to the oak of Tabor. Three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you there, one bringing three goats, one bringing three loaves of bread and one bringing a skin of wine. They will ask how you are and give you two loaves of bread, which you will accept from them. After that you will come to the hill of God where there are Philistine garrisons. When you arrive at the city you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place prophesying. They will be preceded by harps, tambourines, flutes and lyres. The Spirit of the Lord will control you. You will prophesy with them and you will be transformed into a different person. When these signs have happened to you, do whatever your circumstances require because God is with you. Afterwards go ahead of me till Gilgal. I will come to you to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice fellowship offerings. Wait seven days until I come to you and show you what to do. Then Saul turned around to leave Samuel. God changed his heart and all the signs came about that day. When Saul and his attendant arrived at Gibeah, a group of prophets met him. Then the Spirit of God took control of him and he prophesied along with them. Everyone who knew him previously and saw him prophesy with the prophets asked each other, What has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? Then a man who was from there asked, And who is their father? As a result, is Saul also among the prophets? Became a popular saying. Then Saul finished prophesying and went to the high place. Saul's uncle asked him and his attendants, Where did you go? To look for the donkey, Saul arrived, answered. When we saw they weren't there, we went to Samuel. Tell me, Saul's uncle asked, what did Samuel say to you? Saul told him, he assured us the donkeys had been found. However, Saul did not tell him what Samuel had said about the matter of kingship. Samuel summoned the people to the Lord at Mizpah and said to the Israelites, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought Israel out of Egypt and I rescued you from the power of the Egyptians and all the kingdoms that were oppressing you. But today you have rejected your God who saves you from all your troubles and afflictions. You said to him, You must set a king over us. Now therefore present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and clans. Samuel had all the tribes of Israel come forward and the tribe of Benjamin was selected. Then he had the tribe of Benjamin come forward by its clans and the Matrite clan was selected. Finally Saul, son of Kish, was selected. But when they searched for him, they could not find him. They again inquired of the Lord, Has the man come here yet? The Lord replied, There he is, hidden among the supplies. They ran and got him from there. When he stood among the people, he stood a head taller than anyone else. Samuel said to all the people, Do you see the one the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among the entire population. And all the people shouted, Long live the king. Samuel proclaimed to the people the rights of kingship. He wrote them on a scroll which he placed in the presence of the Lord. Then Samuel sent all the people away, each to his own home. Saul also went to his home in Gibeah, and brave men whose hearts God had touched went with him. But some wicked men said, How can this guy save us? They despised him and did not bring a gift, but Saul said nothing. There we end, day 97. Day 98 Continuing through First Samuel, verses chapters eleven to thirteen. And just let me look in the middle. No, well, apart from First Chronicles five eighteen to twenty two, we're going straight through the remainder of of First Samuel today. 
turning at 1 Samuel 11 verse 1. Nahash the Ammonite came up and laid siege to Jabesh Gilead. All of the men of Jabesh said to him, Make a treaty us and we will serve you. Nahash the Ammonite replied, I'll make one with you on this condition, that I gouge out everyone's right eye and humiliate all Israel. Don't do anything to us for seven days, the elders of Jabesh said to him, and let us send messengers throughout the territory of Israel. If no one saves us, we will surrender to you. When the messengers came to Gibeah, Saul's hometown, and told the terms to the people all wept aloud. Just then Saul was coming in from the field behind his oxen. What's the matter with the people? Why are they weeping? Saul inquired, and they repeated to him the words of the men from Jabesh. When Saul heard these words, the Spirit of God suddenly took control of him, and his anger burned furiously. He took a team of oxen, cut them in pieces, and sent them throughout the land of Israel by messengers who said, This is what will be done to the ox of anyone who doesn't march behind Saul and Samuel. As a result, the terror of the Lord fell on the people, and they went out united. Saul counted them at Bezek. There were 300,000 Israelites and 30,000 men from Judah. He told the messengers who had come, Tell this to the men of Jabesh-Gilead. Deliverance will be yours tomorrow by the time the sun is hot. So the messengers told the men of Jabesh, and they rejoiced. Then the men of Jabesh said to Nahash, Tomorrow we will come out, and you can do whatever you want to us. The next day Saul organised the troops into three divisions. During the morning watch they invaded the Ammonite camp and slaughtered them until the heat of the day. There were survivors, but they were so scattered that no two of them were left together. Afterwards the people said to Samuel, Who said that Saul should not reign over us? Give us those men so we can kill them. But Saul ordered, No one will be executed this day, for today the Lord has provided deliverance in Israel. Then Samuel said to the people, Come, let's go to Gilgal so we can renew the kingship there. So all the people went to Gilgal, and there in the Lord's presence they made Saul king. There they sacrificed fellowship offerings in the Lord's presence, and Saul and all the men of Israel greatly rejoiced. And then into First Chronicles chapter 5, verse 10. During Saul's reign they waged war against the Hagrites who were defeated by their power, and they lived in their tents throughout the region east of Gilead. And then verses 18 to 22. The sons of Reuben and Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh had 44,760 warriors who could serve in the army. Men who carried shield and sword drew the bow and were trained for war. They waged war against the Hagrites, Jatur, Nafish and Nodab. They received help against these enemies and the Hagrites and all their allies were handed over to them because they cried out to God in battle. He granted their request because they trusted in him. They captured the Hagrites' livestock, 50,000 of their camels, 250,000 sheep and 2,000 donkeys, as well as 100,000 people. Many of the Hagrites were killed because it was God's battle, and they lived there in the Hagrites' place until the exile. And then back into 1 Samuel chapter 12. Then Samuel said to all Israel, I have carefully listened to everything you said to me, and placed a king over you. But now you can see that the king is leading you. As for me, I'm old and grey, and my sons are here with you. I have led you from my youth until today. Here I am. Bring charges against me before the Lord and his anointed, Whose ox or donkey have I taken? From whom have I wronged or mistreated? From whose hand have I taken something or bribe or to overlook something? I will return it to you. You haven't wronged us, you haven't mistreated us, and you haven't taken anything from anyone's hand, they responded. 
He said to them, The Lord is a witness against you and has anointed as a witness today that you haven't found anything in my hand. He's a witness, they said. Then Samuel said to the people, The Lord who appointed Moses and Aaron and who brought your ancestors up from the land of Egypt as a witness. Now present yourselves so I may judge you before the Lord about all the righteous acts he has done for you and your ancestors. When Jacob went to Egypt, your ancestors cried out to the Lord and he sent them Moses and Aaron, who led your ancestors out of Egypt and settled them in this place. But they forgot the Lord their God, so he handed them over to Sisera, commander of the army of Hazor, to the Philistines and to the king of Moab. These enemies fought against them. Then they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned, for we abandoned the Lord and worshipped the Baals and the Ashtaroths. Now deliver us from the power of our enemies and we will serve you. So the Lord sent Jeroboam, Barak, Jephthah and Samuel. He rescued you from the power of the enemies around you and you lived securely. But when you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, was coming against you, you said to me, No, we must have a king rule over us, even though the Lord your God is your king. Now here is the king you've chosen, the one you requested. Look, this is the king the Lord has placed over you. If you fear the Lord, worship and obey him. And if you don't rebel against the Lord's command, then both you and the king who rules over you will follow the Lord your God. However, if you disobey the Lord and rebel against his command, the Lord's hand will be against you and your ancestors. Now, therefore, present yourselves and see this great thing that the Lord will do before your eyes. Isn't the wheat harvest today? I will call on the Lord and he will send thunder and rain, so that you will know and see what a great evil you committed in the Lord's sight by requesting a king for yourselves. Samuel called on the Lord and on that day the Lord sent thunder and rain. As a result, all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. They pleaded with Samuel, Pray to the Lord your God for your servants so we won't die, for we have added to all our sins the evil of requesting a king for ourselves. Samuel replied, Don't be afraid. Even though you have committed all this evil, don't turn away from following the Lord. Instead, worship the Lord with all your heart. Don't turn away to follow worthless things that can't profit or deliver you. They are worthless. The Lord will not abandon his people because of his great name and because he has determined to make you his own people. As for me, I vow that I will not sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. I will teach you the good and right way. Above all, fear the Lord and worship him faithfully with all your heart, considering the great things he has done for you. However, if you continue to do what is evil, both you and your king will be swept away. Saul was 30 years old when he became king and he reigned 42 years over Israel. He chose 3,000 men from Israel for himself. 2,000 were with Saul at Michmash and in Bethel's hill country and 1,000 were with Jonathan and Gibeah of Benjamin. He sent the rest of the troops away, each to his own tent. Jonathan attacked a Philistine garrison that was in Gubah and the Philistines heard about it. So Saul blew the ram's horn throughout the land saying, Let the Hebrews hear. And all Israel heard the news, Saul has attacked the Philistine garrison, and Israel is now repulsive to the Philistines. Then the troops were summoned to join Saul at Gilgal. The Philistines also gathered to fight against Israel, 3,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and troops as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They went up and camped at Michmash, east of Beth-Avon. The men of Israel saw that they were in trouble because the troops were in a difficult situation, they hid in caves, thickets among rocks, and in holes and cisterns. 
Some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul, however, was still at Gilgal and all his troops were gripped with fear. Then on to verse 16 of chapter 13. Saul, his son Jonathan and the troops who were with him were staying in Gabah of Benjamin and the Philistines were camped at Michmash. Raiding parties went out from the Philistine camps in three divisions. One division headed toward the Oprah Road leading to the land of Shaul. The next division headed towards Beth Horon Road and the last division headed down the border road that looks over the valley of Zeboim toward the wilderness. No blacksmith could be found in all the land of Israel because the Philistines had said, Otherwise the Hebrews will make swords or spears. So all the Israelites went to the Philistines to sharpen their plowshares, mattocks, axes and sickles. The price was two-thirds of a shekel for plowshares and mattocks and one-third of a shekel for pitchforks and axes and for putting a point on an ox goad. So on the day of battle not a sword or spear could be found in the hand of any of the troops who were with Saul and Jonathan. Only Saul and his son Jonathan had weapons. He waited seven days for the appointed, and sorry this is in the verse 8 of chapter 13. He waited seven days for the appointed time that Samuel had set, but Saul didn't come to Gilgal and the troops were deserting him. Samuel, sorry, didn't come to Gilgal and the troops were deserting him. So Saul said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. Then he offered the burnt offerings. Just as he finished offering the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. So Saul went out to greet him and Samuel asked, what have you done? Saul answered, when I saw that the troops were deserting me and you didn't come within the appointed days and the Philistines were gathering at Michmash, I thought the Philistines will now descend on me at Gilgal and I haven't sought the Lord's favour, so I forced myself to offer the burnt offering. Samuel said to Saul, you have been foolish. You have not kept the command which the Lord your God gave you. It was at this time that the Lord would have permanently established your reign over Israel. But now your reign will not endure. The Lord has found a man loyal to him, and the Lord has appointed him as a ruler over his people, because you have not done what the Lord commanded. Then Samuel went from Gilgal to Gibeah in Benjamin. Saul registered the troops who were with him, about 600 men. There we end, day 98. And week 14.